At the time of recording this episode, the UK is in full crisis management mode following a recent budget announcement from our Chancellor earlier this month. UK inflation and interest rates have reached record highs, while the sterling has reached a record low. It's been reported that in the UK economy, in just a matter of weeks, we've lost around 500 billion. Investors are losing confidence in our economy, and there are real concerns that we are heading for a longer and deeper recession. Why has this happened, and how are we going to turn this around? So definitely check this episode out to learn more about these recent events and our general thoughts on the challenges that we face today in the UK economy and our thoughts and predictions for the mid to long term future. Guys, good morning. Good morning. Um, how is everyone doing? Let's do a quick check in before we dive into today's topic. Um, this might actually be the first time where we're having a conversation in real time about how the UK economy is um is in, call it a meltdown, right? Um, and we're at a stage now in our lives where each and every one of us in some way or shape or form is probably going to be impacted or is impacted. Uh, it's not like 2008 when we were at university. So um, today's going to be a really, really interesting and serious conversation. And before we get into it and understand what's happening, why it's happened, let's of course check in with everyone and see how everyone's doing. Um, I can see Olu is serious. He's, he's checking his accounts. He's, he's following the news. Why don't we start with you, Olu? How are you doing? I'm good. <laughs> I think this is going to be a really interesting topic. Um, as P mentioned, um, in most crises or crashes or that we've seen in the market, we were very young. So at that time, all we were worried about was university, getting our grades. It didn't really impact us as much as I would say this one is or will. Uh, but apart from that, look, I'm good, right? Um, I try not to... My emotions and my happiness is not dictated by the markets because if that's the case, I'll be like a crypto, very volatile, one day up, one day down, based on different news. Uh, but yeah, life is good. Busy period at work. Um, just trying to get over that busy period. Yeah, that's me. Sure. Well, I leave myself and Daniel to go last for a particular reason. But sure, how you doing? Yeah, all good. All good. Um... Olu, I thought, you know, with the recent clips about, you know, that, that CFO bracket that you're in now, the, the energy would be a bit bit higher during these. Uh, <laughs> I, I feel periods. like I need to clear that up. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's clear that up. There's a lot of fake news. <laughs> I think for the, for the listeners that only saw the, the short Instagram clips, you need to listen to the full episode because there's been a lot of fake propaganda being put out there by P, mainly P. No, there's not, fake news. there's not fake. All I'm saying just, is... Just claim it. You work hard. You're working at a level now. Your back is at a certain level now. And um, we're working harder, like everyone else. There's Don't listen to P about bag. There's no pocket watching. We all earn different amounts. P's in that Swiss francs or whatever currency he earns <laughs> out there. Um, but yeah, don't listen to the propaganda. Go on, sure. Okay, well, um, everything Olu just said there, you need to fact check that as well. No, but on my side, all, uh, all, all good. If I'm honest, there is a lot going on at the moment. I think th there's a lot in the news that we can unpack. Um, there's a lot going on in different companies around the globe. You're reading about job cuts and all of this stuff. Um, I think it's natural that there's a bit of a roller coaster in people's thinkings at the moment. Uh, but I think during this time, it's just important to anchor on what we can control. And I think the last couple of days, just switching off the news, actually, and just... Uh, focusing on health, getting good sleep, all of this stuff, and then you suddenly see things turn turn back uh, back around. So, no, looking forward to having this conversation with you guys, and it's great to see all of you again. And actually, with that, I think Daniel and P. I mean, you guys had the chance to see each other face to face, right? So, how are you guys feeling? Yeah, maybe I'll just um, uh, go next. 
I've um, Daniel has gifted me with an incredible experience uh, in the last week, something that I, I never saw coming. Um, we've been planning to um, host the Johnsons and we've been going back and forth and talking a little bit about how long, when, etc. And one thing I noticed is that Daniel wasn't giving me a date, even though we had put some dates out. I said, look, October, you know, and I'd, we'd spoken several times on the phone and he had never said to me in, on the phone call a date. And I, and I came off the phone thinking, Lauren, I don't understand what Daniel's doing. He's not giving me a date. I don't want to, maybe they can't make it, but he doesn't want to say. Was it Saturday evening, Daniel? Saturday evening, I'm, I'm, I'm seasoning the chicken. I'm, I'm in deep conversations with Lauren about what's going on in the markets, what was happening from now to the rest of the year. Daniel video calls me. I said, okay, I will, I'll answer it after. But then calls for like two seconds and closes and, and puts the phone down. And then I'm like, okay, it's fine. I'll, I'll just finish season chicken. The doorbell rings straight after. And you know, when you just put your hand in your head and you think to yourself, no way, this can't be happening. And then, my, and then Lauren says, why don't you go answer the door? And I, and I, and I was like, Look, my legs, my knees were weak. My head was spinning. My heart was snatched because I was thinking to myself, is this really happening? This guy has traveled with his family without me knowing and I can't do anything about it. I go to the front door. I open it slightly. I didn't even want to open it at all. And there he is with his family. Jesse crawls in and I swear to you, I've like, you talk about like an experience, magical, like it was just, it took me hours to get over it. So <laughs> All I can say is, is thank you, Daniel, now and thank you forever for that because it was just a fantastic weekend with the family. It's been long awaited. We haven't seen each other in years as a family. Um, and in typical Daniel fashion, he pulled off just an incredible move. Um, I didn't listen, I didn't see any of it coming, not a slightest. Like, so yeah, that's I'm I'm still I'm still in terms of how I'm feeling, I'm still riding off the high of that. Um you know, the guys could, Daniel and the family could still be here. Now we'd still be enjoying it. We could still be doing road trips. It was just incredible. So um, it's actually probably you could set up, up for another episode to, to talk about the importance of bringing families together. So that's how I feel. Um, and thank you, Daniel, for the gift. Pleasure. A pleasure. A pleasure. But yeah, um, just on the back of that, doing good. Just come back from, uh, from Switzerland with the family. So it was nice to see and have both families together in one room and so for real. the rest of the family to, to experience Switzerland. Um, it's been nice to visit in the past and you know p and i are on many road trips or just conversing and thinking about how many times i've been to basel and i think this was the fifth time i'd been in consecutive years from 2013 14 15 16 was the gap um sorry 16 was an anomaly then back in 2017 um and then again in 2022 so it's it's been it's been phenomenal it's been nice as well just to, to see p and to surprise him in the way that we did and you know, lauren, lauren lauren and i had planned it from before even ayan was born um but then we thought you know, Melissa and I thought it would be probably best to do it after he was born so there wouldn't be too much stress on the family. Um, but yeah, it was nice to pull it off. Got a nice nine seater. Uh, got a nine, nice, nice. I do the surprising, I don't get surprised. <laughs> That's my vibe. <laughs> so, no, um, no, no, it's great. We, we could talk about it in another episode, go into more detail on how, how it was executed and you know, just the time that we were able to share and bond and spend as families. I have to say, just, just from that, the just from the outside seeing it, it looked uh. You look like amazing, amazing family moments. And I want the world to know Daniel Johnson is back and he's bigger than ever <laughs> with regards to his back. travel account. And he's got <laughs> Melissa and Jesse coming with him. And any any country that you want this guy, just give him a text and that's all that's all that's needed. He's bringing the whole Don't even, just give him and the drone camera as well. Notice. The drone's coming. The drone's oh. coming as well. <laughs>
Okay, guys, let's let's with that let's dive into what's happening um, now in real time. Um, what I'm going to do is just I'm going to read out about six to seven headlines to set the scene, uh, provide some context to our listeners, and then we can sort of dive into this conversation because I would love to just sort of hear your thoughts, perspectives on everything that's going on as we speak. So, in no particular order, listen to these headlines. Um, the UK pound went crashing, falling to an all-time low against the dollar at 1.035. Our UK inflation is rising higher than our peers in the US, Japan, Eurozone, reported at between 8 to 10% and could even be higher. Unemployment falls to the lowest rate since 1974 at 3.6%. The recent announcement from the Chancellor, which we're going to unpack further in this episode, has actually been the biggest tax cut since 1972. The amount of money printed into the UK system since March of 2020 is reaching close to a trillion pounds. As we speak right now, the fixed mortgage products are being pulled from the market and sort of lenders are waiting to figure out what they're going to price it as. So if you're looking to sort of um, buy a house now, you're probably going to be told there is no mortgage fixed rate for you. And the Bank of England intervened early this week on Wednesday and launched a 65 billion bond buying program to avoid a UK pension meltdown. I could go on and on and on. And the question is, you know, what's happening to the UK economy um, and yeah, so we want to open up. So maybe before we dive into what's happened as of recent in the last couple of months, do we want to talk a little bit about the 2020, 2021 trends just to build up to where we are today? Because I think it's, it's a, it's a tale of two different halves who would like to sort of share just some thoughts and perspectives on how we arrived at this point. I can start off. Um, so you're saying the 2020, I would even go further back, right? I think we've been in, uh, in an environment where interest rates have been really low, right? And I think that's given everyone, and I think we've even discussed this on the podcast before when we've talked about stocks and properties, right? That how all these different investments and asset classes have been very attractive when interest, interest rates have been very low, right? It's given everyone a forced sense of um, comfort, a full sense of um, leveraging and using debt mm -hmm. um, to really to really gain growth, right? And since everything has happened with sort of inflation, I'll say inflation has been the main thing, but COVID and then sort of inflation, we've seen that you can't just provide and print out free money. We've had to tighten, as we've mentioned also on this podcast before, that the best way to control inflation is through interest rates so interest rates have gone up significantly people are starting to see hey maybe these investments are not as lucrative or maybe it's not the norm to be expecting 10 20 30 percent growth if you look at it from a, a stocks and business element of it is you can imagine if you're able to borrow money at such a low interest you can put that money to work and be able to generate a higher return of interest then historically is sort of the one, the two percents that we've been seeing. Um, if you look at it as property elements of it, you're able to lever up as much as you want, borrow and pay low, um, relatively low interest rates, right? So that's meant that these different assets have been inflating in terms of prices. We've seen such a massive increase in stocks in the last sort of, or prior to this year, excluding 2022, but in the last few years, we've seen massive increases. We've seen that also with property. We've seen massive increases there. But now that we're starting to get to those 6 to 10% interest rates, right, 
we're starting to see um, a real massive decline, um, declining growth. And I think I mentioned this on the podcast when we were talking a few months ago that my biggest fear has always been debt. And what does debt mean to us? And how if that Do- debt bubble burst, right? And the way you burst that debt bubble is by making interest rates to such a high amount where it's not affordable. I think our parents' generations, they were looking at double digits um, interest rates. And I remember us talking about it. We're like, a few of our property gurus were saying it would never get to that amount, right? Now, if what, we look at- Is that like, what I said? Yeah, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't remember I don't remember saying that. I'll, I'll, I'll get Nandy to chop up. I'll get Nandy to chop up <laughs> please, some of those please for, do. The, yeah, for please the content. Do. All I remember but, is since you got that CFO bag, you've changed. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> um, go ahead, I'm, Ollie, not gonna, go ahead. I, I'm not going to expose some of us where they where we're flying to, where we're flying to when the pound is dropping. You must be you must be carrying that bag when you're able to fly when the, the pound is dropped. But no, um, back to what we were mentioning, right? We're starting to see really a massive um, pressure on how can we service these debts, and these debts are not just personal, so not us on this call, but also the government because the government government borrows a lot of money as well. But I think that's really the main dynamic, right? It's previous years, interest rates were really low, which has meant businesses, individuals have been able to leverage debt to invest and get a better return than the low interest rates. Now we're starting to see a high interest rate environment, which is now forcing people to say, okay, am I really getting the, the right return for these investments because there's something called the risk-free um, interest rates, right? If I can leave my money in the bank and get, I know before we were talking about savings account, getting only 1%, 2% or even 0. Point whatever. If now I can leave it in the bank and get, or the bank rates are higher where it's like two, three, 4% and that's backed by the government. So it's more secure. Now, if I'm going to give you my money, it needs to demand a significantly higher return for the risk that I'm giving you. So yeah, I think that's sort of the economics background, but I let the other guys open up and add. Shuo, Daniel, any thoughts on on sort of previous years? Um, any sort of major significant headlines you wanna you wanna pull out and, and share? I think from from my end, I think Olu, you've really covered some of the the key key historical references. I think gen- generally speaking, I think we we are, and we probably have been approaching the last couple of years, the end of a cycle. And the last recession that we had, at least in the UK and globally, you can say was around 0809. Um, and then since then, yeah, everything was just going up and to the right after a significant decline back then. And now we're basically at that same stage. Um, of course, the baselines are a little bit higher than before, um, but we've seen a reduction in equities. We've seen a reduction in other asset classes and property will be coming during the next uh, however many months. So I think it is it's an end of one cycle, um, which we don't know at the moment where the bottom is. And probably the bottom is still far from where we are today, even though things look quite tough. Uh, but that's probably the general message in terms of the historical context. We're just at the end of another cycle and we're just wading through the bottom at the moment. And it could get a lot worse and it probably will get a lot worse from where we are today. But let's let's see. And I guess we'll discuss about some of those things in today's episode. I, th- I think Shuel hit a term that was very key for, for the listeners and for us and for us all to remember. We're in a cycle. Um, mm. It's been a long time coming. Um, but one thing is, this is not the first time and this will certainly will not be the last time we go through such a global exercise as, as we're experiencing now. The business cycle, and it's inevitable that we have to go through the inflationary period because of the way the economy grows and the state of affairs currently. Of course, there are many external circumstances that are coming into play 
and coupled with just the, the rising rate of living costs as well. And this is just one of them that are, are coming into play. In 2008 and 2009, we saw the collapse of the Lehman Brothers. We saw the whole of how the swap market OTC products were just being created and, you know, caused a detrimental effect to the economy and, and, and all the ramifications that followed suit. And this is just another example of that. We're much older, so we can really experience it in real time because we have responsibilities of our own, whether it's through homes, whether it's through paying bills, we are experiencing firsthand. And sometimes we may magnify, amplify it because it's us. Maybe in 2008, we weren't doing such because we didn't have those responsibilities. Mm -hmm. But what I see is that through 2020, 2021, and this year, you know, we saw the pandemic hit the equity market. Um, prices fell drastically up to 70% in some industries. And they, they started to pick up again in June in Q3. Um, that, that continued into 2021. And as lockdown and as lockdown and restrictions ease, things started to normalise to, to some degree. However, when we came into this year, with all in the UK, with all the the COVID relief plans and all the money that was given out and introduced into the market, the ramifications and the cracks started to show. Hmm. And what we saw on September fifth was the announcement of a new prime minister, um, Liz Truss, and her her running mate Rishi Sunak had a very different philosophy and a very different plan should he succeed as prime minister. You know, I think one thing, um, although he came from, well, he was portrayed as a guy to come from a privileged background, he warned of the dangers and refused to take part in more free things if you were to vote for him. He wasn't afraid to raise taxes either. And that was against the party's culture. He meant well, essentially, he didn't mind raising taxes against the, the, the party's philosophy if that meant getting the job done. Essentially, there's no such thing as a free school meal. And we're seeing that now. And I don't want to get ahead of myself in terms of what the the, the mini budget last last Friday, the 23rd of um, September announced and what that entailed and how, how that's going to happen. But, you know, just, those are just my thoughts. It's a cycle. We're coming to the end of a cycle. We're going to start a new cycle. But it, it's frightening. You know, because there are many people that are going to be, I think we'll all be affected and some, you know, we live in an, in an unequal world. So some are going to be less off and more impacted than others. You know, one of the things I, I said to myself, I used to wonder when I was younger, this, this, this term, the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. And I used to wonder, how does that exactly work? And I think if you've been paying attention since 2020, you can exactly see how that plays and comes into effect. But the question you guys have all summed up, you know, previous years really, really well. And, and I think... A lot of this is, is basic economics 101. And if, if, we look, if we go back to 2020, where they launched a QE program, quantitative easing, and I think printed of around 500 billion, maybe more. If I asked you at that time, what do you think the effects will be? I think we would have been able to predict, look, interest rates are going to rise to probably record highs in the next 12 to 24 months. So, it, you know, a lot of what we're seeing today was actually expected. And I think many experts in the market would have been able to anticipate what we're seeing. Because ultimately, you know, I, I like to use the analogy like a, um, the economy is like a sponge and water, right? So the sponge represents assets, business, services, trade. And as you're pouring more money into the system, you're like pouring more, more water into the bucket. And in order to absorb that water, you have to basically increase those services, those assets and those, and where we saw the prices going up. So, but it's, 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 I think what's interesting is you, although you know interest rates, um, inflation is going to increase and the only tool that the Bank of England has to control that is interest rates. I think witnessing it and being a part of it, I think for us for the first time is, is perhaps 
how do we navigate through this, right? Um, is in terms of our generation. I think we're going to come on to a little bit in terms of how this impacts um, the everyday person, the investor, and also the businesses as well. So maybe just, just, just to, yeah, go ahead. Dan. Just as you mentioned that about predicting it, it there's a there's a running joke that goes back many years that um, experts and economists have successfully predicted nine of the last five recessions. <laughs> nine of the last five. Wow. No, the joke is they've predicted nine. They've successfully predicted nine of the last five, meaning they're they're not experts. <laughs> okay, so what's you get it? They okay. <laughs> let, let let that sink in, and you'll get it. They've predicted nine of the last five recessions. Where's the source? Where's this from? Which it's a running joke. Like in, oh, um, okay, I, th okay. I, th I think it was at Paul Samuelson. It was a, it's a running joke. But yeah, anyway, continue. Um, any any last thoughts and considerations before? Because I think the, the trigger has actually been, right, since Liz Trust, to your point, has been announced as new prime minister earlier this month. Um, Kwasi Kwatem has then come in as a new chancellor. Any Before we get onto his announcement, which has basically been the trigger for a lot of things that we've seen, any other thoughts and considerations that you wanted to share about previous years leading up to where we are now? Because um, at the same time, when I look at 2020, I can actually understand the dynamics. If you have the COVID, which shuts down businesses, consumer spending, I think the Bank of England, even at one stage, was saying we want to um, welcome negative interest rates to stimulate the economy. So it's, it's a little bit like what's happening is inevitable. I think it's, it's how quickly do, does the Bank of England respond and what do we as consumers do with our spending or, or saving or things of that nature? But any any other consideration or highlights from previous years before we really sort of tackle what's happening now um, and where do we go? I think we're going to talk about um, lots of different points, right? Um, and we can talk about how the Chancellor and Liz Trust um, announcements have accelerated some of the things that we're seeing right now. One of the things I would just like to point out to you guys and the listeners, right, is when we talk about the pound and especially the pound versus the um, the dollar, dollar. Mm -hmm. this, this has been falling since 2008, right? So let's not think about it as something that's just, if you go on Google, just look at pound versus the dollar, zoom out, you'll see from 2008, it's slowly been declining, right? So let's not think that this is just something where it's just happened recently. The pound and many other countries' um, currency has been declining in comparison to the USD um, for more than more than five, six years. So don't feel like it's just a recent thing. Um, because I think when I listen to the news, I always try to um I always try to be objective as much as possible, right? And not just listen to propaganda and oh, these people have just come in and just ruined the pound. No, it's been happening since mm -hmm. 2008. Yes, they might have accelerated it, right? Um, but let's not be confused, right? The previous prime minister told us to buy a kettle to deal with inflation. So rightly, wrongly so, right? Um, <laughs> you gotta, you gotta, you got to do some sort of, you got to do some sort of action. Um, I think the jobs that they're doing is very difficult. And we'll talk about the pros and the cons to everything because I think, Nothing is either just all positive or all negative. There's pros and cons to every element of it. And just understanding the logic and how you can navigate is really important. Okay. Um, no, great. No, thank you, Olu. I think we're, we're sharing some great insights and perspectives. Um, so, so in order for us to kick into sort of implications for the everyday person, investor, 
what we see coming in the next six, eight, 12 to 18, 24 months. I'll just share some sort of uh, key points from the Chancellor's um, announcement, which has kind of been the trigger, right? But then I also have, we also have our own perspective around, around this as well. So in an effort to, um, I'll say, prioritize growth, uh, what they call is the mini budget, which apparently we're not supposed to call the mini budget, uh, set out the following, um, and it's actually going to cost an additional 60 billion. So the 45 additional um, additional income tax ban for those earning 150,000 pounds or more is said to be scrapped. The 40% higher rate charge on incomes above 50,000 will remain. They'll bring a, they'll bring the cut forward on a basic rate of income tax from 20 to 19% as of April 2023. The proposed 1.25% uh, point on national insurance rise introduced earlier this year will be cancelled. Um, the banker's bonus cap will be scrapped. Uh, the corporation cap, the corporation tax, which was going to increase from 19 to 25%, is going to remain at 19%. Um, reversing this, they said that's going to actually put 19 billion back into the UK economy. Hopefully to then reinvest, create jobs, raise wages, pay dividends, etc. They've also said that there'll be no stamp duty to pay on now 250,000 pounds. It was previously 125. And the threshold for first-time buyers will rise from 300,000 to 425,000 pounds. Those are really the, the key points um, um, that came out of the Chancellor's announcement. Any Anything I've missed that you maybe want to add or, or just to clarify? Yeah, maybe just um, the, the, the mini budget will cost 45 billion. I think you mentioned 60 billion. So just um, uh, sorry, you're right. 45 yeah. billion. The 60 billion actually is the is the Bank of England's intervention early this week, right? So so that's all that effectively is. There's more. Um, um, printing, 65 billion, just to be correct. So once that was announced, uh, then we started to see a trigger of events. Um, one of them was the pound falling to all-time low against the dollar at 1.035%. And now there's been discussions about, you know, the, the economy is at risk with this plan. Um, there's even discussions about if list trust is even going to last. So it's it's really been, you know, you know, really, really strong headlines. Um Kwasi himself has said that he's standing behind his economic uh, plan. And there are pros to the, to some of these um, plans and there are also some, some drawbacks. So maybe to start with, what was your kind of reaction to what you heard? And what do you think? What's your initial reaction? I want to just open this up for Daniel because Daniel has been active on Instagram and social media. <laughs> Daniel's normally very laid back. Um, it's because quiet. I was posting because I was in Switzerland. That's why. He's normally <laughs> doesn't post anything unless you're on his close friends and it's like his family <laughs> or very scenic views. The last few weeks, Daniel has been posting a lot of economic news. So I want Daniel to start off because I feel like he's okay. got a lot of good points. Okay, <laughs> okay no, fine. No, no, just I was just on the posting spirit. I kind of go through my peaks and troughs of when I post. And given I was in Switzerland, I just thought it was more of a time for me to post of, of what I observe. And I always think it's good for people to be educated on what's going on and how it affects them um, and their daily lives. But going back to last Friday, um, I, I from 9.30, I was sitting on the couch with Jesse and we watched a mini budget. Um, you know, the first black chancellor of the UK came to, you know, came to, you know, make, make a statement. And what I observed from the tax breaks and tax relief was, it was really a case of, for the rich. There was nothing that was really there that would help people on lower incomes. You know, the, the big tax cut, the bank banking bonuses, um, no no limit, 
um, on what they can on what they can be awarded for for their annual bonus, and which at the same time I can understand because they want people that are higher earners to stay in the UK. With Brexit, many companies relocated their headquarters. Many people moved overseas. Um, and just for you know context, I hope everyone with everything that's going on can understand why I wanted to move to the US. Not because well, actually the US has got six percent mortgage rates, but anyway, that's besides the point. But what I saw, there were many, there were many things that that um, really were benefit benefiting the the rich. And what transpired over the next seventy two hours is during the Asia hour, the Asia opening hours on um, you know Sunday night, Monday morning our time, is that's when the pound plummeted. And the logical and smart individual would be thinking, how is the UK or how are we going to pay for it all? There's no such thing as a free lunch. You've heard me say that phrase over and over again, and it's the truth. And what we've seen. In, the, in this past week, the week commencing um, the 26th of September, we've seen a lot of tension between the Bank of England and the government. You've seen the Bank of England who are trying to control inflation, which is the rate uh, uh, at which prices increase, versus the government of Liz Truss. Um, and just a quick breakdown. When the Bank of England, I think Oli mentioned it, when the Bank of England raise interest rates, that gets people spending and borrowing less and saving more which puts less pressure on prices and inflation falls. And Liz Truss, Liz and her government have ultimately done the opposite. Mm. They want to keep the economy going, which is going to continue to put prices up. The Bank of England wants to intervene, which will, which will force that hand in continuing to increase interest rates. And as Oli said, that's going to cause a huge bubble to burst. And that's going to have an effect on mortgages. It's going to have an effect on your mortgage repayments and ultimately going to cause the prices of houses to fall. And it also makes your holidays more expensive. I spent the last week in Switzerland. I could definitely see the pound's value was next to none. It was like being on parity. Um, and what, what we saw earlier in September actually was the Euro and USD reached parity for the first time, I believe, in over 20 years. So whilst the UK has got its own challenges, look at the JPY, Japanese yen, against the dollar, as Holly mentioned. Look at the Euro against the, the dollar. It's all been on a decline. But I think just these, these this mini budget, I think everyone was expecting with Liz Truss being um, uh, announced prime minister, she had mentioned she had some tax tax programs that were going to come into play that were going to help everyone um, with, the, with the cost of living crisis. We saw that with what she introduced for the cap on energy prices up to 2,500 up until January. Um, and that's also been, you know, I think the Russia-Ukraine tension has had a part to play in that. Not to say that's the biggest part, because let's be honest, this was happening before that Russia-Ukraine crisis. Um, but we've just seen things accelerate and be magnified. And like with all headlines, when you reach record lows, you're going to make big headlines. Because the pound has been on a downward decline, but it was the first time it reached the lowest level over 37 years, I think, of March 1985, it's going to create a headline. Um, I just think there are many things that are going to happen, many things to unpack. But what I saw from those announcements is, it's the rich getting richer. Kwasi Kwarteng has been having meetings with um, senior leaders at a lot of the, the big banks, um, LNG, Legal and General, Citigroup, Credit Suisse, uh, Morgan Stanley and all those others to try and really persuade and convince them. There's even been rumours that he's having to persuade and plead for his own party to get behind their plan because otherwise it's going to create some rift and even the latest polls have shown for the first time ever since the 90s, Labour have a 33-point lead. Yeah. Um, on November 23rd, Kwasi Kwarteng sets, um, um, expects to um, set out his medium 
um, term uh, fiscal plan, but people are saying that that's too long away. They want reassurance. They want him to continue to communicate what he's doing and what's happening because the Bank of England even um, stepped in earlier this week to introduce 65... They, they committed... 65 billion. 65 billion through UK government bonds, through gilts, um, similar to treasuries in the US. So they're going to be buying 5 billion pounds a day for the next 13 days in an emergency move to calm the markets. Um, and this is hopefully going to reassure lenders, especially mortgage lenders, who removed over seven to 800 products overnight earlier this week. And pension but funds. Yeah, that, and pension funds. Oh, we, let's not even get into that, but I'll, I'll pass the mic over. So Just, so just quickly, because I think, Dan, you, you shared um, a great, it was a great take. Um, a question to, to you all to then take. Do you think since the Chancellor's announcement, there has been an overreaction? Because prior to his announcement, we already had printed around 800 billion. And then you've got his plan, which basically costs 45 billion, which in the grand scheme of things is very small to what we've already printed, but seems to, everything seems to seem as if this, this announcement was the one that sent our economy left. And Olu has been talking a little bit about, guys, pay attention, the pound has been falling. So do you see a, a, a necessary sh a response in the market or shock compared to where we're coming from? Yes. And I think the way the market, not even market, I call it human psychology is we never correctly respond to anything. We saw during COVID, we overreacted in terms of inflating a lot of assets and everything. In terms of this decline and drop, again, I think we're overreacting in terms of how much it's dropped, right? So I, I always say increases, they always say when everyone is greedy, be fearful because human beings and the 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 crowd will overreact and inflate something up. And when everyone is fearful, especially when it drops to significant amounts, most times we overcorrect. Um, so yeah, that answers your question. Mm. But I wanted to go back on... Yeah, go on. Go ahead, go ahead, Olu. And then I, I can... Yeah, I just wanted to go back on... Uh, let Daniel go and then I'll go back to what some... No, I, I think, Olu, you're, you're very right on that, on that point about um, the fear and the overreaction. I just want to give a quick example. Last week, the FOMC in the US were... Um, they they in, they increased their the Fed increased their interest rates by 0.75 basis points, so three quarters of a percentage. And before that announcement, there were rumours that they were going to increase it by a full, a full basis point to by one percent. And before that, when there were rumours that's going to increase to one percent, the markets rallied. Um, at the time of just before the announcement, it went stable. Then when they reduced by, by 0.75, the markets. Um, declined and it's funny because there was one percent which hasn't been done for a long time in the us but markets were rallying and just before the announcement it was flat and then when it didn't go to one percent and actually 0.75 which is better for them you know things started to sell off again so we we kind of you know it's kind of you know uh sell was it by the by the fear sell the news or something like that by the news mm -hmm. something some that i can't forget i've forgotten the analogy but it's just that's that's a very you know um pertinent example of olu's point of the psychological element of these announcements and how things play out. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted to go back to sort of the announcement, right? Um, I think the first thing I'm going to say, just me, my personal opinion is that it wasn't the right, um, it wasn't the right announcement for the environment and what we need right now. Um, okay. I think I just want to clearly first state that, right. But before I sort of break down and understand the logic, because I always try to put myself in people's shoes to understand, okay, why are people doing things? What is the pros? So, yeah. 
Oli, you disagree with, with what the Chancellor has, has um, stated. That I, plan, you don't agree with the plan? I don't agree with the plan because, again, it gives free money. I think it's the conversation that we've had about free money. When you put money into the economy, what it typically does is either inflates assets, where we're trying to slow down the inflation, or it just slows down the correction that we need. Um, but I understand why and the logic of, like, I understand why everything happened in terms of their rationale behind it so the first thing you've got to understand is everyone won based on this announcement now the reason why i say everyone won based on this announcement is there were tax break and tax reliefs at all scales low earners high earners the reason why the higher earners felt more of the benefit is because they pay more taxes of course so that's why people always, so forget that that. Is, people always don't so talk about that people, People don't talk about that. So everyone benefited from this, right? So it's just the richer benefited more because they pay more taxes in, in that sense, right? Again, I don't agree with them doing that. I don't think they should have given a break for I want to the, come on to that at point. least tax yep. for the poor or the rich. Now, the, the next thing is in terms of the energy caps, right? Previously, we were talking about it could easily reach 80 percent increases 100 percent increases in certain cases they've capped that out i think it's around 27 percent is what the cap has been has been um is there right now again i believe they should have done something to help people really at the lower end right people that can't afford to heat their homes have to decide between eating or heating i don't think they should have given a benefit to the rich where again they're not struggling when it pays the energy bills now you've got to ask yourself why did they do this? So a lot of times when you think about the market and economics, you need it's a history lesson. Lots of things that are happening, this is not the first time it's happened. So there's something called the trickle-down economics. And this was done previously in like the 1980s, I believe, within the Reagan era. It was also done in 2001 with George Bush in the, um, the recession that we had then, right? And what this really means is, Whenever uh, a government is trying to grow, so see growth year over year, what they try to do is say, we're going to give tax breaks to our population, Earners. our citizens, so that they can end up spending and growing the economy through growth, yes. right? Yes. And that is their thought process behind it is we want to get growth. So how do we do that? We can't get growth through innovation, which for me is the best way to get growth, innovation, right? That's more of an organic way of creating it. Instead, we're going to say, let's give the rich, let's give the lower class more money so they can continue spending into this economy. Now, we know what that's going to do is continue to inflate the market. That's not what we want to see. But that is the logic of why they're trying to do this, is this thing called trickle-down economics. Now, if you look at this trickle-down economics, again, there's pros and there's cons to this. The pros, which we saw in 2001 and the 1980s, is that there were growth. Growth did happen after they gave this trickle-down tax relief. The negative element of it, which we've seen previously and will continue to see, is the growth happens in the 1%, the rich. Mm. So the rich will continue winning because of the fact that they own these assets. And even though we can look at, we've talked about the pound dropping, we've talked about pension funds dropping, we've talked about equities dropping, um, dropping we talk about property dropping. Who owns most of that? 
So a lot of the media is talking about, oh, these rich, the rich have gained so much money. Let's also be honest. During this period of time and this massive decline, the rich have lost also a lot of their wealth during this particular time, which again, I think is rightly so. We need more uh, equity to be spread out. But the media won't talk about that element of it as, hey, the people that have seen the most decline in 2020 in terms of their net worth or the amount that they own is actually the rich. You see Amazon shares drop, so um, Jeff Bezos' wealth wealth has dropped. These business owners has dropped, etc. But the problem is, when it does get corrected, because of the mentality of the rich, whereas even during this decline, I'm still going to invest. I'm still going to buy these assets at a lower price. In 10, 20 years, when we see this correcting, they're going to have the, the mass share of that growth as well. And that's the problem with that trickle-down uh, economics is, yes, everyone gets money. Obviously, the rich get more proportion because they pay more taxes. But when it comes to the growth and the increase, we see that the rich also earn more or develop more during this downturn mm. and upturn. Mm. Great take, great take, Olu, uh, and great insights. Shuo, your, your thoughts on some of those, was there anything in the Chancellor's announcement that made you say, I don't quite understand this part, or I don't see how this is going to work, or actually I see the, the positive, but there's maybe a short-term squeeze, short-term pain, long-term gain. What was your take? So I think from, from my perspective, I actually think the objective of what they're trying to achieve in terms of jump-starting the economy and going for growth, I think that's the right objective. I think the question mark is really the timing of it. And I and I think this is where Liz Truss tried to differentiate herself from Rishi Sunak during the conservative election process, where Rishi Sunak's priority was let's get inflation under control first, and then we'll grow, do the tax cuts afterwards. Whereas Liz Truss ultimately was positioning herself differently by saying, I'll do the cuts now, I'll do the gas energy price cap now, I'll do all of this now. Um, and I think this is why we're having the implications that we're that we're at now. So going to your question, Pete, I personally think it was the right objective to go for growth, but it was the wrong time. Mm. And now inflation has become a big problem. And I think everyone has realized during the last few months, if they didn't know before, but inflation really does affect everyone and disproportionately affects the people on lower incomes more. So I think it's also important for people to understand the context because the policy, okay, has been made, but what is the context? The context is that the Conservative Party are at the end of being in power for almost 12 years. Based on the latest polls, I think Daniel mentioned it earlier, if there was a general election tomorrow, they will likely lose that election. So if you're in that position where you've given power for the last couple of years, what will you do to try and consolidate that power or to try and win that for a few more years? So it's very easy to then see why they would propose to do the tax cuts and everything now, despite the fact that from an economic standpoint, it just doesn't make sense based on what we're seeing so um yeah it's, it's it's an interesting announcement the timing probably was terrible and we're seeing from the market reaction all the implications if they really want to jump start growth then probably they need to look at other reforms rather than doing tax cuts providing maybe cheaper childcare to people or providing visas for high skilled workers or grants for r d innovation maybe this these are things that come later on but to do this at this point i personally think it's more of a political decision rather than a economic yeah. one yeah, no, I think I think it's a great way of 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 putting it into perspective and framing it because I think one of the responses from the other party was thank you, Liz Truss and her team for reversing what we've done in the last twelve years, and it and it's it comes it, when you listen to it and you read it comes across as two parties fighting each other versus what's best for the country. 
Um, because when I look at how much money has been printed into the system, economics and history tells you the one way that you actually pay that back is to actually keep in taxes where they are or increasing them. You don't lower taxes because then you have to find other ways to pay that back. So um, I like what you said, Chua, in the sense of they had they have the right ideas, but it's it's coming at a wrong time, maybe too soon um, in, in the situation. Great. A any any um, other thoughts around around this announcement um, that you guys want to highlight? Um, what do you see? So, I guess for for what's coming up, right? Um, or, or yeah, go ahead, Olu. So it sounds like from the four of us, um, none of us trust Liz. Trust is that is that what, is that what the outcome of this sort of <laughs> episode what? is? I don't. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm not looking at it as who do I trust. I think I'm looking at more from a policy standpoint and what makes sense to get the country back into position of growth. Um, yeah. It could be anyone, right? Liz Truss or anyone in her in her party that could have announced this. And so to what she well said very neatly is I can understand what they're trying to do in terms of, you know, let's try to um, foster more jobs. Let's try to in ensure that salaries are, are healthy and can attract more foreign investment. It, but it's probably too soon because no one's talking about what we need to pay back. And that for me is 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 how you... Interest rates and rising taxes is how you actually control inflation. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, um, do we trust Liz Truss? Um, do you trust anyone that is that is standing there saying, "Mr. Speaker"? That's, I don't know. That's, you know, that's, that's, so the fundamental, that's, the, that's the fundamental question. I think. Do you, do you trust anyone that's in kind of your leader? You, you don't. You have. You, there's always an element of caution because the the agenda is always bigger than what what we know what we see. Um, they're essentially just a puppet. You know, I'm not going to try and turn this episode into uh, a conspiracy or controversial episode, but it's just, you know, how much can you trust someone who, when you see politicians, put it this way, it's hard, it's easy for it's easy for an, uh, for um, a lead to make to make promises they can't keep when there's an election around the corner. They want your yeah. vote, they want your buy-in, and as soon as they're yeah. in power, they can do a complete U-turn. Yeah. Can you would you kick them out? No. Um, so we, we saw that we saw that with Brexit, there was a lot of promises in yeah. terms of how much money we'll be able to claim, and then yeah. certain individuals said didn't have an answer once once Brexit yeah. was confirmed. We know who that is, yeah. Um, yeah. and that also comes speaks on to, to the leader of the Labour Party. He he is um, he's known for wanting to kill uh, buy to let landlords. That's going to get a lot of headlines. That's definitely going to going to raise a number of votes. So it's true um, in what you're saying, Daniel. Yeah. I think um, so in terms of for the listeners or even just the future, right? Um, and I think we discussed this before, but I can see it, it's going to get worse, right? Um, yeah, let's talk predictions. Yep. So, uh, yeah, go on, Danny. No, no, I was going to say, I think there was a few episodes ago where we spoke about something along, along these lines and my we went around and asked what my what opinions were. I said, it's going to be a, a, a bumpy, rough ride, buckle up. And you all laughed at me, but you know, no, it's the same no, stuff. No, 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 I don't know if we laughed. <laughs> yeah. I, was, I wasn't laughing, was yeah, I wasn't laughing at the message, no, 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 it was the no, delivery, no. Daniel. But I yeah, the delivery, this is, this is, this and is, I personally yeah. love the delivery, so. Okay. I think we said, okay. I, I think we said, uh, we don't see growth until, at the time, the middle of 2025. And there were actually a few experts that to, agreed with we us. Need to, How, we need to clip the, that episode. Archives. I think I, I think I was the I know I said said the longest longest time for us to recover. And I think I mentioned the issue around debt on that episode in terms of debt is our biggest problem. Hey Nandi, pull up, about. pull up the thing, man. But we'll, 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 um, we'll do some flashbacks. Um, I know that there's experts, there's experts out there that agree with 
my my predictions. But anyways, we have got new predictions but now. Um, go ahead. In regards on. to where do I see things going? Right. Um, I think the Bank of England have already stated that in November they're going to increase interest rates again. Right. Basically, it's going to be so. What does this really mean for us? Right. I think it's we can expect the next one to two years minimum that we're going to still be in a high interest rate um, environment. Um, I think what does that mean for us as individuals is it's just going to be more affordable, sorry, more expensive to purchase anything that you want. If you're looking to purchase a property, um, you're going to have to pay a significantly larger amount to it. I think someone did a calculation and said, based on the interest rates in the beginning of the year to now, people that were able to afford a half a million pound house is the equivalent to like 350k house now, based on the way the price increases and how much you're paying on interest rates in terms of the increase from when it was like 2% to now when it's like 6 or 7%. Um, so yeah, so I think the next few years, yeah. Oli, you still see house prices going up? I, I do. The reason why I think, or I, I don't see it having a massive decline. And I'll tell you the reason why me personally is because the difference between now and 2008 is there was a lot more stress test on affordabilities of houses. Now versus so, then. Yep. Versus now versus then. Right. So what that meant is that people that pay, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable. You're going to have less disposable income in terms of now more of your money is going to either go to rent or to your mortgage payments. But I think the difference between stocks and properties is people have to, to decide to sell it at a lower price. And I think because so many people are so used to the prices it used to be, I don't see someone saying, hey, I bought a house for 100K last year. Now I'm going to sell it for 50K. Okay, let me, They'll rather let me, just hold let me on. share my thoughts. They'll rather hold on to it. So in terms of for our listeners, I think the key things you need to focus on is one, as much as you can do job security. So I think that's going to be one of the important ways. Now, job security is very difficult because as we go into recessions, unemployment is going to be um, a big factor. So the way you do that is how do you make yourself more um, less disposable when it comes to your income, uh, your role? How do you improve your skill sets? How do you update your CV, etc.? Um, second thing is how much variable debt do you have in your, in your family, your household? Um, are you able to lock them down to fix interest rates? Um, so that will alleviate some of the increases. Are you able to clear down any massive debts? So if that's debts at a high place, if you've got credit card debts, any high variable debts, try to reduce that as soon as possible. Uh, and then the last thing, which I know is very difficult and there's a lot of uncertainty right now, is invest whilst things are dropping and reducing. And the reason why I say that is in the last few years, our generation have pretty much complained about how everything is higher. Everything is going up, up, up. Cost of equities have gone up. Cost of uh, houses have gone up. If you start to see a massive decline, especially in quality, and the key thing I'm mentioning here is quality assets. So when I say quality assets, 
that could be property, that can be some of the top companies like Apple, Amazon, or even the S&P 500, right? Those sort of quality assets. If you start to see a decline in there, use this as an opportunity to purchase it. Now, I'm not saying take out all your money and put it into it, even if it's a hundred pounds a month, whatever amount that you have spare, try to invest as this, we see this cycle sort of slow down and decline. Um, because you'll you'll definitely benefit when we start to see a correction, even if that's in 10 years' time. Yeah, so that's sort of my advice. Again, this is my personal opinion and my personal advice, um, not your financial advisor. That's true. Yeah, financial advice if you want to do anything um, when it comes to your personal um, finance. Uh, no, great, Olu. Thanks for sharing. Uh, I agree with you in some areas. In some areas, I have a difference of opinion. Um, I think I agree with you in a sense of unemployment. If we start to, we're starting to really see some rumbles, headlines of unemployment with big corporations around mm -hmm. the world. I think the final nail in the coffin for a deep and long recession is unemployment. It hasn't some, it's not something that's been spoken about enough in the last couple of years. Um, whereas we maybe predicted, you know, back to growth in 2025, I think we should just be on the safe side and assume at least 36 months of, of having to go through a, a bumpy period. Mm. I think, um, I think we will see a drop in, in house prices. I think we'll see a correction, not a crash of up to about 20% because I don't see any other way of the op property market operating given what we're seeing in terms of interest rates. So I think, I think to your point, Olu, what will, the issue that we're having now is affordability of payments is the issue, but the prices will have to be reflected in the fact that we're in a high interest arena. I can't, like I'm looking at the market now, the market that I'm in, sellers are still putting on the property at the same price as they had maybe a year ago, but hmm. there is not going to be 20, 30 people lined up around the corner wanting to buy, hmm. right? So that, therefore, if they want to sell, it has to come down. There's going to be about oh, 2 million that, people. Uh, P on that one, right? Mm. I would agree with you with the logic of the numbers and the calculation don't make sense if it wasn't individual selling it. So let's say, for example, yourself, you've just purchased a property. You've purchased some properties in the last few years. Would you sell any of them for 20% less? No, but now you're talking about someone that holds on to the assets versus mm. let's say I'm a, I'm a homeowner that wants to sell. I can't sell it for the price I would have got it for last year. Now, let's and, talk and about let me, homeowner. Yeah. And let me tell, and I maybe focus on more on home ownership rather than maybe the investor, the buy to let investor, hmm. because two million people by the end of this year are going to experience switching. Um, their mortgage rates are going to change drastically because they're on a variable late. They're going to be saying to themselves, "I can't afford this moving forward. I have to sell," hmm. and then so they're going to, have would, to sell at a discounted price. So the two things that I think you're not factoring into is one, how well banks did in terms of checking affordabilities. So either what they will need to do is either increase the length of their on, a, on, a, um, on an eight to nine percent interest rate we're talking about a different arena now i no, agree with gonna, you gone, yeah, gone. Two, okay. so the first thing they could do is because my brother had to go through this so the affordability what they did is you might have previously only had a 20 years loan um fin what they do is increase it to 30 years so then that way your payments will drop down significantly and secondly let's say for example that person now sells the property Mm -hmm. It doesn't solve the issue. They need to now purchase another property. And let's be honest, interest rate. most people, you're going to always have to pay that interest, the 8%, whichever your own home or in a, the new home that you decide to purchase. And the question I have for you is anyone that's purchased it five, 10 years ago, your loan to value is going to be quite low because of the fact that banks make sure that your loan to value is significantly lower. So what this is going to do, I think instead of having people, especially homeowners selling, 
is going to have people staying longer, which then also reduces the um, amount of houses on the market. Because if I now sell, that means what I can afford is now smaller than what I came currently be, was previously living in. And let's be honest, how many people are telling their wives, their kids, oh, we're going to downsize even more? It's not going to happen. When you haven't got a choice, you haven't got a choice. But mm-hmm. but I like what you said. I don't want to challenge that. I like that. Yeah. I think the, the the thoughts are clear on either side. Let's switch mm-hmm. to, to, to Shaw and Daniel and, and, and I'll... Let's see how that plays out. But but great takes, I think, from us on that. Shuo, any any thoughts on how you see it over the next 6 to 12, 18 months? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, what I would do is I'd, I'd recommend to the listeners. So we actually did an episode at the end of July, which was already feels like a lifetime ago, but was only two months ago. And the, t- the episode was titled, Are You Ready for a Recession? Um, and then in that episode, we discussed how we were probably already in a recession. And at that point, it will only get worse. And I think what we recommended at that episode is probably the same thing that I would recommend now. The things will probably get tougher. Inflation will continue to increase. Interest rates will go up. And this will have a financial implication on a lot of households. I think during this time, it's just important to review personal finances, continue to invest in yourself, continue to invest in your skill set and also make sure that everyone around you is aware that you are doing that as well. Because it will definitely be choppy choppy waters between now and then um but that's the the best that we can do and just focusing on what we can control individually versus what's coming up on the news because the news typically makes things sound probably a lot worse than it does i know we've spent this episode talking about what's been going on in the uk um but the pound dollar has actually almost got back to where it was before the mini budget since then as well so i think this shows that there will be fluctuations uh, but it's just focusing on what we can control during this experience and it will become a lot more expensive no matter which field we are in the only last comment actually i would just say is i think during this period you'll also see the the quality companies the quality businesses the quality investments really come through things will probably go down but the 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 assets that generate the best returns that are the best quality that are the best companies that generate the best cash flow these are the ones that will definitely start to stand out during the next few years and if you can focus in that direction then there should be plenty of wins to be made Daniel? Daniel? Um, I think that a a lot of things are going to be dictated by the US and how the global economy responds and reacts. So Jerome Powell, I think in Q1 21, said that uh, uh, quantitative easing won't ease or won't cause inflation. Then Q2 2021, he said some inflation, but it'll be transitory. Then in Q3 21, he said, okay, high inflation, but we are peaking. And there's a whole number of statements that he's made um, throughout the quarters. And it's almost like he's eaten his words. I think that we're heading into a recession if we're not one, in, if we're not in one already, which I think we are. It's not going to be announced till next year. I think things are going to become a lot more expensive. They're going to be high levels of unemployment. Cost of living is going to go through the roof. And hopefully people do still have a roof um, because it's going to be ugly. It's going to be horrible and it's going to be devastating. I think the governments are trying to do the best they can. Could they do more? Could they have foreseen what's been happening? Probably yes. But will they admit it? No, because they're the government. Um, mm-hmm. And I think we just have to think about ourselves from a selfish angle. What can we do individually to minim- mitigate and minimise the risk that will be coming our way? Um, and I think you know, it might be worthwhile doing another conversation because even as of yesterday, two days ago, uh, Meta, formerly known as Facebook, announced they're, yes. they're laying off staff. It's the first time that they're doing so and it's kind of mark zuckerberg said it's an end to rapid growth and if a big company like that are, are making a statement like that we can expect that others other others other companies will follow suit 
Um, so I think it's going to be, you know, very horrible. However, it's not forever. And we should always remember, and I'll share on the Instagram, on the, we'll share on our page, focus on the, thing, the, the things you can control, things you can't, focus on what you can control. Great. The last thing I actually want to say, because when I when I do reflect back on this episode, we are sharing facts, we are sharing the headlines, and a lot of it has been a lot around doom and gloom, uh, but that's what it is. The thing I do want to say, and I want to end with, is we've heard time and time again, uh, this is, I'm speaking to sort of my team, my peers, my investors, that one of the greatest times and periods to create wealth um, and to amass wealth is during downtimes, is during the next 24 to 36 months. And what I can say is, I know myself, my family, and my team, we are working to apply ourselves to, to basically um, make the most of that. And I think there's going to be huge opportunities right across a number of different industries. And I think it's a great opportunity for people to um, learn about what's happening, learn about previous recessions, because you can, in the next 24 to 36 months, you can change your life around, your wealth around by focusing on the things that you can control, by focusing on the opportunities, because you can easily spend your entire day reading all of the doom and gloom headlines. So at least for my generation, the last time we maybe were in a similar situation was university. We didn't have the capital we have today or the portfolio or the investments we do today. And so it's very important that whilst we talk about, you know, the sort of what's happening, the challenges, let's not forget there are huge opportunities. This is not financial advice. I think it's just on us and our generation to figure out how we actually capitalize on the opportunities that are there. Um, but we're certainly not going to uh, miss this 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 period, and I think it's on us to to make the most of it over the next 24 to 36 months. So, um, and then with that, um, I'm sure we'll pick up another one of these episodes at a later stage because so much is happening. I want to thank the listeners for um, this episode. I think it's been a really really great episode to just to summarise what's happening and share some thoughts. And I'll pass it over to Daniel um, to close. So thank you all once again for listening to this episode, episode 151. As always, if you have any feedback, any comments on the state of the economy, what you think is going to happen, or just your thoughts, feel free to jump in our DMs on Instagram at Take Flight Podcast, or just comment on our posts and let's have a dialogue with all of our other followers and let's get a, a diverse perspective and opinion on how we think um, things are going to play out and also help one another and educate one another. I think there's um, power in community. So until next week, until next time, stay safe and God bless. Take off, take flight.